Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How you doing, Allison? I'm doing okay. You lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you last week? I was deliberately making you not do an episode. No. <laughs> it was me. I hurt my shoulder somehow. There's a weird bone sticking up. Not through the skin. But as if you were sort of starting to bud some dragon wings. Sarai asked the same thing when I told him. He's like, are you growing wings? <laughs> <laughs> Only on one side. That would be the way it would work. Because like, one wing is totally pointless, right? You can't do anything with one wing. Yeah, it's weird. Doctors don't know what it is. They said they'd never seen this before. Outside Without of pain. A, outside of an injury, yeah. <laughs> so you thought you'd just take it easy, which I think is a wise course of action when things stick out of your body that weren't there before. Yeah, I thought I'd take a week off and <laughs> In case this was relative to repetitive strain stuff, like editing too much, I don't know. I don't. It's weird. Bodies are weird. So I took a week off, which was a good thing. It's kind of nice to have a little week to reset every now and then. Get excited to be back to the podcast again. But what happens, but halfway through the week, the parts for the new Stone Breath CD come in, and the art book, and... I put that up, and it's it's been doing wonderfully. I'm not complaining, but I did end up working. Just differently. <laughs> yeah. Not on the podcast, but on sending out art books and CDs and so forth. If you ordered one already. It's they, in the mail. They, yeah, it should be in the mail. Some people are already getting them. That's cool. What art book, you may be asking? Well, I have a new art book. It's called Elzik's Farewell. It's a little kind of a pocket-sized book. 48 pages. It's color. My other art books have been black and white. It's mostly artwork that I've done for Strange Familiars with some things, various pieces that didn't make it into Apparitions, my other art book. And besides that, it's got three short comics I did. People have long asked me if I was ever going to do any comic work. It's there. They're very short, though. I think they're like four pages, three pages, two pages, that kind of thing. But there's three of them in there that kind of tackle some paranormal subjects. It's kind of a flannel man comic, a Bigfoot and women in white comic, and then one about uh, the, the title, Elzik's Farewell. So that's available. 
and you can get it in our Etsy shop. Also, at the same time, I released a new Stone Breath CD called Grays and Orphans. Now, people often ask me, which Stone Breath CD is the Strange Familiars theme on? The answer before was none. <laughs> but now the answer is, it's on this one. The song is technically called Gray One. It's a series of instrumentals. All three of them uh, open up the CD, Gray One, Gray Two, and Gray Three. But Gray One is the Strange Familiars theme, and you never hear the full theme. There's sort of a short version and a long version we play, depending on the, the episode. A couple times for patrons, I've played the full version of it. But on the main show, I don't think we've ever played the full version of it. So you can hear that on the new CD, along with a bunch of other rarities and unreleased songs from the later period of the band. That's called Grays and Orphans. And at the same time, I put Entity Drift back in print. It's been available as a digital download, but I made it available as a CD again. Entity Drift is all the ambient music I did for Strange Familiars in the long form. So like the little ambient pieces you hear that bridge between segments in the show and so forth. I made a bunch of those over the course of the podcast to use for the podcast. And Entity Drift collects all those. So it's three, you know, kind of Strange Familiars related things. You can get them at the Stone Breath Bandcamp site, stonebreath.bandcamp.com. You can get them at our Etsy shop, shop name Lost Grave. There's different packages available. If you want all three, you can get all three or combinations of, of two or just get the book, et cetera, et cetera. Once again, thanks to everybody who's ordered it so far. And thanks to our patrons. You know, without our patrons, we couldn't do this show, Allison. Not at all. If you like what you hear, if you like the content we make, if you want to make sure Strange Familiars keeps heading your way, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get commercial-free versions of the weekly show and extra shows every month. To check it out, go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All right, there's a cool show tonight, Allison. Yeah. One of our most popular episodes of all time was called It Was a Witch or a Sasquatch. Do you remember what number that is? I should have looked it up, Yeah, that would... <laughs> but I didn't. In any case, Jen talks about something in this interview. Not sure it's the same thing, mm -hmm. but it sounds a lot like what was described in that episode. Pretty interesting. She also talks about time slips or what seems like time slips in this place called Doom Cabin, which seems like a place I'd want to hang out. The music would probably be pretty good. <laughs> That's why it was called that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and she's got some, so this weird kind of like maybe a astral travel slash time traveling ghost kind of thing. It's really cool. Some really good stories. So let's go ahead and get to Jen. I'd like to welcome Jen to the show. How are you doing tonight, Jen? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm very excited to get this story. You emailed the story, and we've been having a little trouble hooking up over the past couple of weeks, but uh, I'm excited because this is, sounds really intense. They, yeah, it was very intense, and I really only gave you half the story, and I feel like the second half of what happened was kind of really just as amazing itself. Oh, so, good, yeah. Well, I'd like that anyway. I'd, I'd much rather hear the story directly, you know, than read it in an email anyway, so that's great. Cool, cool. 
cool. Okay, well, I will start. This happened in 2007. I was 23 and I was living in Northern Virginia, normal busy town called Leesburg. I was actually living about 20 minutes north of Leesburg, right on the Maryland line, right off of Route 15 and having a grand old time. (laughs) Things were good. I was newly single, living my life. It was really good. So I worked at a coffee shop in Leesburg. I'd been there a year, maybe not even that long, but we hired a girl named Laura and she and I hit it off immediately. She was a few years younger than me, but like we instantly bonded and very few people in my life have like bonded with me like that. Like she's one of maybe three. And so very important that we were instantly best friends. And she tells me of this crazy experience she had right down the street from the high school that we went to that she graduated from. And I went to that high school too, but I like moved around to a bunch of different schools. So this experience she had was one where like she and a bunch of friends were, you know, walking down the road and they're looking for this abandoned house and they made it to the house. Things got a little crazy. Like they were looking in the windows and things were weird and they all got spooked and they left. And so she tells me this, I'm really interested. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. That sounds really cool. So we made plans to do it in the evening and get ourselves together. I invited my roommate who was actually, he wasn't a roommate at the time. He had already moved out, but we were friends. And I was like, you should come. This is going to be really interesting. And he was a skeptic and he was purely curious. And I think he really just wanted to have a laugh at us. Mm -hmm. So we go, it is probably mid-May. It was beautiful outside, perfect weather. The sun was setting. We drove up the road. There was an old town called Woodburn and it's not a town anymore, but it's still an area. So like you can Google Woodburn, Virginia in this this area comes up. So that's where we were going. And we parked the car, we get out, we start walking down this dirt road. And I had like a six pack of beer with me. And I remember drinking one or two maybe, but we got like, I don't know, we're walking for maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And Laura starts getting a little fidgety and like a little spooked out. Like she keeps looking over her shoulder or she's not really talking much. And I was trying to like have fun and have conversations. And is it already dark? It was getting dark. It It wasn't dark at this point, Mm -hmm. but this was like, you know, an adventure to me. I was so excited to do this and she was starting to not have a good time and it was noticeable. And so I was like kind of getting disappointed. I didn't know if my friend who we brought, if he was disappointed or what, probably, but we just kept walking. And eventually it got dark enough that she decided like, there is no way we're going to see the house. It is way too dark. We need to turn around and at least try to get some flashlights if we're going to do this. And I kind of assumed that she just wanted to turn around and go home. Mm -hmm. So I was bummed, but reluctantly agreed, okay, let's at least go get some flashlights. 
And by this point, she's jumping out of her skin. Like she's literally turning around, gasping, like startled. And I'm trying everything I can to get her to calm down because I want to do this. And I'm thinking she's going to chicken out if she gets too nervous. Like, what can I do? Is this very early into your friendship where this... Somewhat. I wouldn't say very early, no. It probably, gosh, it might have been actually in the timeline of things because I know that she goes off to college like right after this. Well, sort of right after this, after the summer's over. And this was early summer. But no, I want to say we were friends the year prior. Okay, like, so you knew her long enough to judge that something, this is just as in the way she normally acts. Something was yeah, spooking her. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And so I'm like trying to rack my brain of thinking of all of these things I can say to her to distract her. And I say like... I'm bringing up like bands, like music, like, have you heard this band? What do you think of this? And she's giving me one word answers. Like she's not talking. Mm. And so, and we're on our way walking back to the car. And I say to her, I come up with this remote area of Loudoun County thinking that, well, she grew up here. I've spent a lot of time here. Maybe she knows where this place is. And because it's like not very well known. And I say to her, have you ever been to church's store? And right when I said that, this black mass of like, it was like a whirlwind descended upon us and everybody started running as fast as we could. And I can't really describe what this mass is, except it was like wind in my face. It felt like wings flapping but also felt like a swarm of bees. Like I was batting at the air in front of my face, like waving my hands, like whatever it was, was in my face. And it was this whoosh. And then it was a scream that was blood curdling screech from hell. That was terrifying. And for a split second, maybe more than a split second, while we're running, I'm listening to this scream and I'm like, oh, like that sounds like a person. That is definitely a human screaming. Like there is a human in the woods next to us. Like we're being pranked. This is a joke. Like he's going to burst out laughing. There's no way anyone can carry on this scream without taking a breath or without bursting out laughing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it didn't stop. The scream continued and followed us all the way up the street, up the dirt path. We probably ran for maybe five minutes altogether. Wow. Uh, I mean, it might have been less than that. It felt like it felt like five minutes. We were running and we With were running hard. No break in the Every, scream this whole time. No break in the scream at wow. all. No, wow. none. And it followed us. And it felt like it was not like upon us anymore. It wasn't the whirlwind feeling, it felt like it was like right alongside us, just off into the woods where we couldn't see it. And we we didn't hear any rustling that I particularly recall, because I remember thinking, well, maybe it's an animal, you know, I don't. but no, it followed us all the way up the road. It didn't break. And it was, it sounded distinctly human to me. I thought it did. Mm -hmm. 
we were going to get our flashlights from a friend of hers who lived on the hill, like right where we parked our car. And so I thought we're being set up, right? Like he knows that we're here and we don't have flashlights and he's hiding in the woods with his buddies, everybody's. And that is not at all what happened. So we're running, we get up to her car and she's beyond panicked. We all are. And we get in our seats. I noticed something strange on the window. I was in the back seat or maybe I wouldn't, I would have been in the front seat, I think. So I must've run around the car and gotten the front seat, but it was on the back uh, driver's side window. And there was condensation on the windows at this point, but there was this weird imprint of something that looked sort of like a skull, sort of like it was symmetrical and it had a face, like a shape of a face in it. And it was just in the condensation as if there was a print right there. Did it look like a print or like someone drew something like in the condensation? It looked like a print. It didn't look like someone could have drawn it. Okay. Okay. I guess. It wasn't very small. It was small. It was about the the size of the palm of my hand, which is my hand's kind of small. So, but, and, and it was detailed. Like, at least I remember it being that way. And I kept to myself, like I saw this thing and I was like, that's weird, but let's not be too hasty with her <laughs> jumping to conclusions here. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so I kept it to myself and we're in the car and we're flying down the road. We're coming home. She takes me back to my friend's car in Leesburg and he's going to drive me the 20 minutes up to my house in the woods. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really too keen on going home, but at the same time, it was my home and I wasn't really going to go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So he had no interest in sleeping in the woods. So he dropped me off and he went back to his folks or wherever he was staying that was in Leesburg. And that was pretty much it for that night. Now, did he give his impressions? Was he as freaked out as, did you say Laura was her name? Yes, Laura. Was, yeah. he, was uh, he as freaked out as Laura? Yes, absolutely. We, yeah, he really, really, truly was, which mm-hmm. is why he had like no interest in hanging out at my house, which was kind of in the mountains, I guess, if they're pretty old mountains. But uh, I mean, we were deep back in there. So mm-hmm. I can see why it made him nervous. But yeah, he was definitely spooked. Wow. I don't, I didn't hear him scream like I heard Laura scream like I screamed but he was pretty terrified and we all did acknowledge when we were on the car leaving we all acknowledged that there was a weird thing on the window like what the hell was that weird thing on the window like yeah that just didn't need to be there I couldn't tell if the condensation was built up from the you know like if it had been left on the inside I'm assuming that's where it was because it was, well, maybe not then because it would have been really hot in the car and cold outside air. So the condensation would have been on the outside of the car. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's how that works. I think no. so. Yeah. I, I, I forget, quite honestly. <laughs> well, okay. But um, yeah, either way, we all did like acknowledge that was bizarre. We didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Or well, what e- it either way, meant. inside or outside, you know, something's on the window. Right. Right. Why was it even there? Do you think that her nervousness when you were walking, do you think she was picking up on this kind of 
earlier. Like, one, like- 100%, 100%. Like her hackles were raised. And I thought to myself, well, geez, Jen, like I thought you were sensitive. How come you're not picking up on anything? I wasn't picking up on anything. I was almost shutting it out, I feel like, because I wanted to go on this adventure. Like mm-hmm. I was so hunky-dory <laughs> about the whole thing that like I just did not, I wasn't picking up on any. Plus the beer, the beer might have kind of taken my senses down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, when we got back to the car, I did not have my six pack of beer with me anymore. Like that ended up in the woods at some point. Mm-hmm. I know I chucked it. And ran as fast as I could. Like yeah, was, whatever Tasmanian devil came down on you, got to drink the yeah. beer later. Yeah, yeah, lucky. <laughs> wow. I, so, so, I mean, you described this as as a mass. So, was did you ever see a shape, or was no. it just kind of a darkness that descended? It felt like a thick darkness that was breezy and i think it it actually made an audible sound as it descended because i know that we started running before the scream mm. like we took off we were gone and then that's when the scream started but what was really interesting was what i said and it wasn't interesting at the time but when i was trying to come up with things to distract her. And I had asked her, have you ever been to church's store? Like that was just completely random. And what happened the next day is, so we work at the same coffee shop and she goes in for a morning shift and she's there with another girl and they're working together. I'm coming in for the afternoon. So I show up probably around noonish or something. And I come in, we look at each other and we're like, oh my God, what happened? And I asked her, I was like, did you tell our coworker what happened, what we went through? And she said, no, I didn't tell her. So we started to tell her the story and we're getting busy and we didn't get to finish our story, unfortunately. Like she, you know, our coworker went home and at this point it's just me and Laura. Actually, no, our coworker may have still been there when, when this happened, but so we're working and things are slower in the afternoon. But we, and we get a lot of regulars and there was one regular in particular who was wonderful. We all really liked this guy. He was a retired Brooklyn police officer turned private investigator. And he was just all personality. Like he was covered in tattoos. He was bald. He was short and he had a thick Brooklyn accent. And he was just, he was cool. Every time he came in, it was usually quiet in the afternoons, but we'd sit and we'd just chat. And so him being a transplant, like I didn't, yeah, we're talking, we're just talking about living in Leesburg, Leesburg life. And I don't know if we were talking about schools or if we were talking about real estate or whatever, But we're talking about all the weird random corners of Leesburg. And he asks us, have you ever been to church's store? Oh. And my knees gave out and I literally lost it. I, both Laura and I, I know for a fact, both Laura and I were 
fallen behind the counter of the coffee shop. Like, oh my God, are you serious? The most obscure reference to any place. No one's ever been to church's store. That was the answer. No, no one's ever been there. Are you serious? You had to ask us that. Like, that was literally the one moment in time. And Laura, the night before, she must have she must have heard me say it because she had exactly the same reaction as I did. Like, I know that that registered and we just, yeah, we just lost it. Wow. And of course, poor customers standing there like, what, what did I do? What did I say? And I'm like, you don't want to (laughs) know. We can't, we can't get into it again. Yeah. It was bizarre. It was one of the most shocking like synchronicities that, I've ever experienced. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even even if it wasn't specifically related, it seems like these weird little synchronicities happen around these other events. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just like, hey, just to remind you that you're in a moment of weirdness or something. Yeah, it was, I mean, maybe on some level we were like, because we were already talking about Loudoun County and whatever, maybe on some level we were all thinking about the most obscure corners mm-hmm. of of the area you know maybe that was like a subconscious thing or maybe because the night before it was already on our minds but it was the last thing i would have expected for the, this guy to say take a step back to the scream again would it at what you would determine to be you know normal human volume that's a good question i would say probably a little bit louder. It was not ear piercing loud. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like all around us loud. We could still hear other things or we could, at least I could, I felt it, you know, just kind of coming from the one direction mm-hmm. to my right and it wasn't overpowering. So I think if it were like, especially, especially loud, then it would have been a little bit more difficult to handle. Did it, I mean, this is a judgment call, but it, it, to your mind, did it sound like a woman, like a man, or couldn't tell? I want to say, I want to say female, but I can't say for sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the more I'm thinking of it, like, so let's say you're, we cut your estimate of a five minute run in half. Let's say you were that wrong and it was only two and a half minutes. I don't know any human that can scream consistently, you know, without a break for that long. Yeah, no, no, me neither. And it's very possible it could have been a two-minute run from where we were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean um, and if your first estimate is right, five minutes, I mean, that's even more incredible. But even two minutes, that's a long time to hold a screen. Yeah, it may have almost kind of, I don't want to say cycled, but it may have lowered in volume and increased in volume, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it was ever-present. It wow. never broke. Wow. There was never a breath for anything. If there was, I I probably would have guessed more that it was like the screech of some kind of animal, mm-hmm. which I've, I've heard the foxes go off and sure. yeah. things like that, but never, never anything like this. Yeah. I don't know if, if you ever heard the show. It was Alex and his friend. I'm drawing a blank on his friend's name. Sorry. But they, it was a, it was a witch or a Sasquatch. That was the title of the show. 
I think I just listened to that just a couple of days ago, actually. It kind of sounds like what his friend experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple actually that I listened to recently that were eerily similar in that regard. Wow. So- and that, that's the reason why I listen to the shows and I'm so compelled to call because I'm like, I just can't sit with this information anymore. Mm. Like, well, I, I'm glad you did so. because, well, a, it's, it's good to, for the comparative experiences, you know, other people here and say, Oh yeah, something like that happened to me. And then they'll contact me. It's great for me, but it's great. For, I think for just to get these comparative experiences out there. So other people know, you know, like, and, and they'll say, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I had something like that happen. Right. Right. And it's documenting, you yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. documenting it. One thing I made an observation, I'm just going to point this out real quick. When I was listening over the past week, the most recent episodes I was listening to, and I picked something out. There was one show you had, it was two girls and they were like Detroit area, I think. I know who you're talking about. Was it like Ohio? I forget. Someone in the Midwest. Someone in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. But what was interesting about her story, one one of them was she was talking about how her sister had the sight, quote unquote, and how she did not, she did not, she did not have the sight. But then she goes on to describe a lot of her experiences being like, I heard this, I heard that, like, and then I heard, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. So she might not have the sight, but she has the hearing, mm, right? Yeah. Then yeah. I listened to a show after that and some guy's talking about like touching, like he can pick up an object or he can touch something from somewhere and it feels different. And I just thought that was really interesting. It wasn't just, it wasn't only isolated to this like ESP where, you know, it's entirely a mental thing, although inevitably it is because everything gets filtered through our brain, but how these were more or less heightened existing senses that we already have. Mm -hmm. It was just really interesting. I, I started like looking for that in your shows and being able to pick out, oh, well, this person has a heightened sense of yeah, you no, know. That's... Oh, yeah. One dude was he was all about smells, mm-hmm. which I thought was crazy. Yeah, like no, no, he was a... all about smells. Yeah, it's a great observation. I think it. Why wouldn't it? We're talking about the other capital O. Why wouldn't our response be similar to real life? In other words, you know, some people are you know better visually. Some people hear better. Some people. Yes. More... I don't know if I've noticed this before, but I, I'm definitely going to kind of uh, be aware of it going forward. Yeah, I wanted to point it out because it was it was kind of like it dawned on me, but I had like really binged your shows. So I was able to do that. Like I was able to pick them out, you know, instead of casually listening and and missing things like that. But I did notice almost everybody had one sense that was primary. And and then you even have your people who call in with their dreams and that's like, that's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. That's a different sense entirely. I know when but, Chad and I go out together, I'm a little bit more sensitive to sounds. And he's a little more sensitive to visual stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I've i been chalking that up to me just having cruddy night vision, which I do have cruddy night vision. But there, maybe there's something more to that. And like Now that you mention it, maybe I'm just more tuned into the sounds. Yeah. Well, you're also a musician. And yeah. that 
is I find that musicians are really like, you know, they can pick up on those things. Unless, of course, you've burned out half of your little ear tuny frequency thing. <laughs> I, no, I've, I've, a... I've treated my ears very kindly over the years. I've, I've, well, when I listen good. to heavy music, I'm, you know, all my friends were just, I mean, even when I was young, I was always earplugs in. And you know, everybody was like, "Ah, oh, you're lame with your earplugs." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah right, I'm yeah." Saving my ears, but uh, yep, yeah, I've kind of babied them over the time. So, did you ever go back to this area by yourself or with other people? We did. I want to say a couple of years later, and I was always sort of joking with Laura about going back. And although I was serious, like there was always an element of like, "Let's do it," but. I knew that she would flat out refuse. She absolutely, under no circumstances, would she go back. And I visited once or twice with somebody I was dating, and, like, it was weird. It was on Halloween. It was during the day. And we didn't even get a chance to get out of the car before somebody came down the road from a driveway way up yonder and asked what we were doing there, and we left. Uh, but I know it's, I mean, it's a road. There's a driveway all the way at the end of the road. So I don't know if he really had the right to tell us to leave, but we didn't, we weren't trying to yeah. start any fights. So, But then Laura and I went back with another friend of ours, and it was at night, and we brought voice recorders. And Laura's a journalist, and so she's, got equipment for recording things. And the only strangeness that we picked up was a lot of kind of like shifting, like interference mm -hmm. in the recording. So like when you would talk on a cordless phone back in the day and you would hear like kind of crackle mm -hmm. and get fuzzy and then get clear again and then shift yeah. around like that. That's the the only thing we noticed that was weird. Because she had decent equipment, we weren't really expecting an unclear recording. Right. But that's what yeah. we got. Yeah. So the goal of the walk in general is, is to find this abandoned house? Yes. Okay. And we never found it. Laura's been there once. So I don't know. I don't I looked at a Google Earth of the area just recently because in the past I wasn't able to even bring it up, but I located maybe two spots that this abandoned house could be. Now I'm pretty sure she told me a few times that it was like an abandoned manor house, that it was big. So I'm not really sure if what I'm looking at on the Google earth images indicates a manor. It kind of looks like more like some outbuildings kind of tucked away in, in some trees mm -hmm. and it's entirely possible that the thing could be demolished by now. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I did see some structures that looked, they were where she described it would be mm -hmm. like when she was talking about, you know, we'd walk this far up the road and then we'd cut across, you know, the field to our left and it's just, just a plain old field, nice and open. And then the, the house was up against, you know, the woods. So but we never even made it to the field. Mm -hmm.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. So you're living in a cabin yeah. at this time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly named the Doom Cabin. Was, was yeah. this a, a name that you came up with? This was a name that it earned. It earned that title. We lived with people who worked at an online music store and they had the hookup with all of these bands from the area and a lot of them were Doom bands. Mm -hmm. And so that is how it got its name. So ah. we would have shows in the summer and we had one on Halloween and they were like all weekend sort of festival type things. People camped, mm -hmm. big parties, lots of bands. And they went, they went off great a couple of times. The third time, not so much, <laughs> but <laughs> only because the police were called. Mm. But we always had the cooperation of our neighbors. So I'm not sure, like they were usually there. So I'm not sure what happened that time. But yeah, I was living at the cabin and, uh, well, let's see, there were a couple of things that happened. So this one's a little bit easier to tell. We had a friend come over and he drank a lot, almost all the time when he came over. Um, and usually he was really cool. So this guy would come over on occasion. He was friends with my roommates. He was a younger dude and he liked to drink a lot. So on one occasion, he came over and had, you know, was drinking. He ended up falling asleep in our living room and we just like let him be. We didn't bother him. He woke up a couple hours later and he was still pretty belligerent, still drunk, but he was demanding that we tell him where this red room is that he had just been in. And we're looking at each other like, what? Are you kidding? What's going on? And he's like, no. And he starts getting angry about it. He's like, I was just there. 
we were just in this room and he starts describing this room that's all red like everything is red and there's red pillows on the floor the walls are red it's like an opium den almost like Hmm. what he's describing is just this kind of like cloudy warm red space that like does not exist that i know of i mean I, it kind of made me think of like Jeannie's lair in her bottle. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of that the way he was describing it. And I was, I just, you know, was like, whatever. So he ended up getting very angry, which was kind of uncharacteristic for him. He tended to be a very friendly drinker, mm-hmm. but this particular occasion, he was upset and he was getting nowhere with us. Obviously, we had no red room. Like our entire cabin was just wide open spaces and everything, nothing was painted red. So we were like, sorry, dude, can't help you. And I'm pretty sure we had to ask him to leave because he was so angry about this. And he left. We never really saw him again, never heard from him again. It didn't it didn't really matter to me. I, I forgot about the incident entirely until it was like maybe a year later. I had already moved out of the cabin myself, but my roommates at the time, they were my friends. And so I was able to go back and visit them on occasion. And so I did this one weekend. I go up there and I'd been living elsewhere for maybe two or three months. And they had a new roommate and it was actually an old neighbor of ours had moved into my room. And when I come in the front door, the entire first floor of the house is painted red. Hmm. And I mean, and this is big, open, spacious areas. Like there were no walls in this place. And not only were the walls painted red, but they had hung giant swaths of like red gauze from the ceiling like tented the ceilings were tented wow and there were pillows on the floor like incense burning there were little buddha statues it was crazy and i was like oh my god this is like it was just permeated red you couldn't look anywhere it's like your vision turned red Mm -hmm. like everything it was just so powerful and it was all the same shade it was like almost like a burgundy red really dark and i turned to my roommates who were friends with the guy and i was like did it not occur to you guys that this is what he was talking about? Like, this is exactly what he described. And it was exactly in the same area. Wow. It was the living room where we were, where we were hanging out, where he had fallen asleep. Like, it was the same space just maybe a year later. Wow. So they didn't do it as a reaction to his him saying no. that? No. No, it was actually the new roommate who came in and brought all of her stuff. Wow. She had the whole first floor to herself at that point. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that sounds like a time slip. That's so cool. It was wild. And my roommates were kind of like, I'm sure they just kind of shrugged it off. Like, oh, yeah, that's... That's interesting. What a coincidence. But I couldn't, I couldn't let it, I couldn't forget about that. Yeah. That was just crazy. Yeah. Wow. Especially because he made such a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe if he had just casually mentioned it, no one would have ever thought of it again. But he was adamant that he had been there. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was just wild. Oh, that's so cool. 
poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was. He, he was just off by a year. Yeah, he was. Wow. Yeah. So I have two more stories. One of them is kind of long and it kind of goes like forwards and backwards a little bit. It might not actually be that long when I tell it, but in my mind, it seems like it's long. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So I'm living at the cabin and, oh, well, actually, no, let's start at the beginning. So the beginning of this is I'm 15, 16 years old and I'm working downtown Leesburg at a diner called Leesburg Restaurant and really old place. The building's been there since like the 1700s or something. And I'm working with a couple of girls who were my age, maybe a year older than me. And one, her name is Kate and she has a friend. We'll call her Sandy because I haven't spoken with her. So I don't know if she wants to be in this story or not, but Sandy, let me write that down. So we work together after school, weekends, whatever, because they're in school too. And we get all the regulars from downtown. And it was my first job. It was really cool, or one of my first jobs. The place was kind of haunted. I remember there was one night I was closing up, and I had taken my shoes off so I could vacuum. And my shoes were missing Hmm. when I went to leave. And I couldn't find them for like 20 minutes. And I had, you know, a ride home who was waiting for me. And they're like, come on, dude, hurry up. And well, I finally found my shoes in a bus tub that was like tucked away somewhere. (laughs) I definitely didn't put them there. Anyway, so we're working and there's a regular who comes in. His name is Joe. And he's an older gentleman. He was famous in Leesburg for hosting Leesburg ghost tours. And I think he may have been a founder of like a paranormal society or something like that around Leesburg. But he was, he was a really cool guy. He came in, he drank black coffee and like, that's what he did. I never saw him eat. He was really nice, but he wasn't particularly talkative. So I never really got to talk to him, but I knew him as Joe and he might've known me as Jen. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. So Fast forward a couple of years, well, let's see, probably about five or six years, and it's, well, I want to say it's 2007 again, and I'm at the cabin, and my roommates inform me, old friends, she tells me that Joe passed away. Joe from Leesburg Restaurant, Joe from the Ghost Tours, and I was like, oh, you know, that's sad, and wow, that's crazy. And for some reason, during one of our like trips into town, we drove by where he was living and they had just cleaned out his house and he had a whole bunch of stuff on the curb and we didn't have a microwave and we needed a microwave. And this stuff was just going to the trash. Mm -hmm. So we took Joe's microwave and we brought it in and everything and it was fine. No big deal. It didn't really freak me out. I thought it was kind of cool. Like I've inherited tons of stuff from dead relatives. So it didn't really make a difference to me. Mm -hmm. Except that there was one night when I was in my room by myself, sort of trying to go to sleep. I don't know. I want to say I was like meditating. I wasn't particularly focused on anything, but I wasn't necessarily trying trying to sleep. But I was there. My 
eyes were sort of closed. One eye might have not have been so closed because I saw Joe at the end of my bed. Oh, wow. Like on the floor, not sitting on my bed, but on the floor, kind of looking up over the bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> and like my bed was already on the floor. I didn't have a bed frame or anything. It was a really low frame, like low profile, I, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, that's odd. And I kind of chalked it up to like it just being in my mind, you know, because we had his microwave. So clearly I was thinking about Joe for some weird reason and whatever, no big deal. But I thought it was weird. Why would he be in my room? I don't know. So fast forward a couple more years and I'm now not living at the cabin anymore. And I'm hanging out with some old friends, one of which used to work at the restaurant with me. And she's still friends with Sandy. Her name is Kate. And it was one of those nights like where there were like a bunch of us hanging out and we were starting to talk about, I guess, paranormal stuff. But we were also like talking about emotional things and people dying and tragedy and that sort of thing. And when we start talking about paranormal stuff, she's telling me like, oh, well, you know, I don't really know how much I can believe in that, but I did work for Joe with my friend Sandy at the Paranormal Society. Like she was like, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical, but I wanted to do this work with him because I was really curious. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting that you should say that because we got his microwave when I lived at the cabin and I'm pretty sure I saw him at the end of my bed in my room. And she said, and she's like, she turns white. She's like stunned. And she goes on to tell me that back years ago when she was working with this paranormal society, because she hadn't been for a while, she and Sandy and Joe would often get into conversations about weird esoteric subjects. And Joe was very interested in weird esoteric subjects. And I guess he told her that he had been practicing astral projection and how she was like, wow, you're nuts. (laughs) Like (laughs) She didn't believe him, anything that he said. She really genuinely didn't. And he's... He goes on to tell her, like, he, I guess he had, he was setting up experiments with somebody, somebody like on the other side of the country were having experiments where one, there would be symbols involved and one person would try to communicate something to the other person. And then the next day there would be a confirmation of sorts. Mm-hmm. And he's describing this to her and she's like, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever totally blows it off until, I don't know, a couple of days later, he comes in to work a little shaken and begins to explain to her that he attempted to fulfill one of these experiments, but something happened. He got sidetracked and he ended up in a room with her coworker and she's thinking Sandy. Mm-hmm. She's thinking he's talking about Sandy because they all work together for so long. And when I'm telling her this, she's realizing that he was talking about me. Oh. When we were all working together years and years ago. 
He yeah. would not be specific. He would not say, I think he was really trying to be discreet because it made him uncomfortable mm-hmm. at the time that he should end up in some younger girl's bedroom or whatever, especially yeah. at the time because I was 16 or 17 years old when I was a waitress. And so if uh, I don't think it was at that time period. I wasn't working there then when Kate and Sandy were part of this paranormal society. Like I had left and they were still there doing that work. I don't even think they were waitresses anymore. I think they were in college at this point, but they still, this is what they did when they were home. And so, yeah, she was shocked and she said for years, I thought that Joe was talking about being in Sandy's room and I wrote him off as a creep. (laughs) (laughs) And I made like, it made my head spin when she, she told me this and I'm sure my story made her head spin, but I was like, dude, you have to swear to me. Like if you're pulling my leg and she's like, no, I absolutely swear. Like this happened. Joe told me about this and she just thought it was somebody else. But you know what? Also Joe told her, she tells me this. Joe also told her that he would be sure that he promised them that when he died, he would contact them. And because that's what their job was, (laughs) you know, that's what they did. And he was like, I will find a way. And I feel like that was his way. He was in my room and it was bizarre and somehow he had a foresight of it like yeah yeah I, years into the past i it's really hard to wrap your head around but it kind of makes sense if he's if he's really able to travel around in time he wouldn't be able to i mean maybe he would i don't know the laws of this stuff but right, right. if if he was somehow trying to access a point in time that was maybe beyond his death and he ended up in my room or something i don't know how that would even happen maybe it was the microwave i have no idea yeah i mean i i have a suspicion that time like we talk about these things whatever these supernatural things are they don't seem to experience time the way we do. They seem to be able to, in our perception of time, they seem to be able to like predict what we're doing or be in two places at once or move with yeah. superhuman speed. It's all to me come down to like I don't know, but this is like, one of my theories is that time doesn't work the same way, right, for the other as it does for us, or maybe we just perceive it differently. But however you want to say it. But that just makes me think, you know, again, like another time slip. And if he's playing with astral travel, maybe he's traveling through space and time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it does seem to be like it might even be malleable on that level. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, and, you and can... Maybe he didn't even know that he went through time. I bet he didn't. But I do, I think it was weird most weird for him because we did not have a working relationship. I didn't know him on a first name basis. And maybe that's why he said, Oh, your coworker, rather than naming a name, he might not have even known my name and just recognized my face. Wow. Yeah. And was that, that microwave, whether it's because it's a microwave or just because it was one of, you know, an item of his, 
Is, yeah. is that like a point in the time space thing that he was somehow able to lock on to? I don't know, but that is cool. Right? That is a cool I story. I mean, when you like watch a lot of David Lynch stuff, mm-hmm. you he really focuses on electricity yeah. and things yeah. being able to travel in and out through electricity. And maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. I have no idea. Wow, that is neat. Yeah, it blew my mind. And I even, like, I went home after that night very shaken. And it this kind of spurred my interest in all sorts of things, which I probably wouldn't even be talking to you now if it weren't for that, because that was really what got me back into all the weird that I was totally obsessed with growing up. Yeah, and so that catapulted me. I should say into into this again you think Woodburn would have done it but (laughs) Woodburn didn't completely do it I think it needed to be sealed with with a visit from Joe yeah it was just it was crazy yeah that is a cool story that's really cool so I have one more that is a dream story okay I wouldn't necessarily say that like I lucid dream often and I don't think that what I experienced this time was a lucid dream, but it was definitely something else and I have no, I have no way to explain it. So I'll tell you what happened. I was working at a hair salon and had a long, hard day and I walked home, which was right across the street pretty much from the hair salon. And um, I was living with an older woman. I rented a room from her and she had this super cozy Tempur-Pedic bed that if you were tired and you laid on it, you became unconscious instantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you weren't tired and you laid on it, it was very difficult to fall asleep because you would sink in it so hard that you couldn't move. You couldn't roll over and get comfortable. It was It was really weird. It was a difficult bed. So anyway, I sat down on the bed. I laid down on the bed and I was asleep in moments. And it was right after work. It was still like daytime. I think I was just laying down for a nap. And I dreamt that I woke up from my nap and my boyfriend at the time came to visit me and we were going to go for a walk downtown. So, you know, I put my shoes on, whatever. This is all very realistic. And we go outside and we start walking into downtown Leesburg, which is really cute, really cute little town. Everybody's out, tons of couples holding hands, walking up and down the street. (laughs) And it's picturesque. But I notice and this was very strange that everybody had, every individual had this disc shaped, hard plastic satellite looking thing up above their heads. And I want to say maybe like 10 or 20 feet above their heads. It was almost like the Sims, like a Sims character. Okay. Okay. Except it was way up and it was a disc and it was hard plastic. It was, I mean, it was palpable, like the kind of hard plastic that you find on the outside of a computer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was solid. And they had like one little blinking light and everyone's was gray. And I was like, that's weird. 
when did those get there? And then I look up and I look at mine and mine is white and mine is like 20, 30 feet higher. Like it's way higher than everybody else's. And I did not like that. (laughs) That really bothered me in the dream that mine was both different in color and it was further away. So somehow in the dream, I managed to like lasso this thing down out of the atmosphere and hold it in my hand and I examined it. And that's exactly what it was. It was just this big, heavy, like white disc shaped thing with a light blinking on it. And because I didn't know what it was, it angered me and I was afraid. So I threw it on the sidewalk and it shattered and I smashed it. Like I stomped it. Like I really let some aggression out in my dream on this thing. And then I woke up and I went to go use my phone, my cell phone, and I had no service on my phone. And I was like, well, damn, that sucks. I think I even went on my computer and I posted something to Facebook. Anybody else having problems with AT&T? Like, come on, help me out here. Yeah. This doesn't happen to me that often, but it happens, whatever. Well, I never got service back. Oh, wow. I never got service back. I had to call them. It took like an entire weekend to do this. I had to call them, speak with a human. That's difficult. Give them my account information. They have no record of me. Wow. So I'm like, no, this is my name. This is my account number. Like I have all of my information here. Why can't you? Well, okay, you have an account through so-and-so, let's look up so-and-so's information. Oh, okay, yes, here's your name. All right, can you describe your phone? Yes, this is my phone. And they're like, no, we don't see you on our network. Like, we can't find you. So they say, can you give us your address of like your exact location right now in time and space, not your home address, not whatever, where you are right now, and we'll be able to supply you with service to your phone. Like they needed my coordinates to get my phone Mm -hmm. back on. And uh, that's how they did it. But it took like three or four days and I learned my lesson. Wow. (laughs) You broke out of the matrix. I I, You can't destroy things that you don't understand. You know, like that's, that was the point was like, just because you didn't know what it was. Oh, that's so so cool though. Everyone had their yeah, it was. had their little cell phone towers, I yeah, guess. Yeah, everyone everybody had one and mine was different. Huh. And I didn't like that. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. You broke out of the matrix. You should kept... that's I told some I told like my dad's friend that story and he was like, Oh, you're in the fourth dimension <laughs> I was like Yeah, dude. No, oh, that's that's weird though. That's odd. So they didn't even have your I mean, did they have your phone number down? Like I don't think so. They couldn't find me. I had to bizarre. give them all that information back. Wow. And this is AT&T. Yeah, right. They you'd think they'd have all of our information with 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 them or not, right? Yeah, and it wasn't a smartphone or anything. So maybe that's what made it a little bit more difficult. It was like mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this was probably 2009, okay, 2010. Yeah, so yeah. Ah, still that's a weird one. Mhm. 
I was picturing yep. sort of like a, a little satellite dishes above everybody's head, but were they more like like UFOs kind of? That's what I'm having a hard time describing is they were like, I want to say maybe a foot across and probably about like six inches tall. So they were wide and tall. They mm-hmm. weren't flat. They weren't saucer shaped. Okay. But they were like disc sized, okay. I guess. All right. Huh. Yeah. And I can still feel the material that they were made out of. Like it's that really old computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like yeah. PC material. Yeah, the kind that would shatter yeah. if you threw it on the concrete. Mm-hmm. That, like, Heavy, hard. you yeah, know. Yeah. It, yeah, it turns yellow with age. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a cool one. Yeah. I was trying to remember. I had another... No, nah, I mean, I've had some weird dreams where the same sort of thing would happen the next day that I dreamt in my dream, but they were not very significant. This was the one dream that was like, that I couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. I could not explain what had happened the next day. And that it sort of, it really did sort of have a, like, a lesson. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It was weird. Yeah. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast, and I'm so glad I got to tell everybody all at once. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Before we get to our curiosity of the week. I want to thank Ando B for his PayPal donation. Thank you so much. That's a huge help. Allison, these are cool. I didn't even know you had these. I know. I've been going through things. Okay. I've been watching Hoarders. (laughs) (laughs) And when I see too much of myself, I'm like, you got to get rid of something. Get rid of something today. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to change your lifestyle. You're not going to be a minimalist, but get rid of something. So I've been looking through stuff and then in the process of that, finding cool stuff I totally forgot about, including these little monkeys. So they're not Bigfoot. They're monkeys. They're monkeys. But, you know, Bigfoot adjacent maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just neat. Yeah, they're cool little ceramic monkeys. The one... He almost looks like he's like maybe like an organ grinder kind of guy. Yeah, he's really cool. Is this like chalkware? I think it's chalkware, yeah. But he's he's little... Oh, they're neat. They're all little. They're super neat. We sell them as a setter individually. Hmm. Let's make it people's choice. Yeah, people's choice. We'll sell them individually. Yeah. So we got... Pink monkey, white monkey, and... Organ grinder monkey. Organ grinder, maybe monkey. Clothed monkey? Clothed monkey. (laughs) Yeah. Some naked monkeys and one clothed monkey. Well, I'll put a photo of these, or one of these, one or all of these, up in the show notes. If you click on that, it should take you to our Etsy shop, where you can purchase those and... Other curiosities of the week, those that are left, even some of our old photos of the week are left. We sold one of those last week. I was like, whoa, photo of the week. It doesn't matter what week it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's back before we were doing the curiosity of the week. At our Etsy shop, you can also find antique photographs. Allison has listed plenty of them. My artwork, prints and originals, my books. They come signed if you get them from Etsy. Strange Familiars t-shirts and more. And don't forget, new Stonebreath CD, Grays and Orphans, new art book, 
Elzig's Farewell, and Entity Drift CD is back in CD form. Those are on Etsy as well. Shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff come up. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word, and you can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.